Hi everyone and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. It never rains, it's always sunny. This podcast began during lockdown. We galloped through or sauntered through many, many books of the Bible now. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. saunterers and welcome to the last saunter on the the in the precious series this is our last episode so here we go so let's pray and ask the lord to help us this is a serious topic today um so lord jesus we ask you to help us today we ask you holy spirit come and be with us and as people listen future in the day or later on in the day or later on this week or whenever lord we ask you to speak to our hearts in jesus name amen so peter summarizing again this is now the second letter that i'm writing to you one p sorry two peter chapter three last chapter this is now the second letter that i'm writing to you beloved in both of them i'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of a reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Saviour through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Let's pause for a second. So Peter is reminding us, he's already told us in chapter 1 that he's writing to stir us up, to wake us up, to arouse us spiritually, to awaken our hearts again. And to he said in chapter 1 to stir you up by way of reminder. And he's saying again, I'm writing to you, beloved. I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of a reminder. He's not saying there's anything bad going on in your heart or your mind, but actually even in the middle of all of these pressures, all of these trials that these people are facing, he's saying, I want to stir you up. I want to keep you awake. I want to kind of revitalize and energize your faith. And I want you to remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Now, it's really interesting that Peter, who who is himself like the herald of a really incredibly new movement, this is something that that in in so many ways superseded the Old Testament. It took over. It was a new. Jesus instituted a new covenant, and it was founded on better promises. The writer to Hebrews tells us, and yet. Peter in no way wants to throw out the Old Testament prophets and he's saying, I want you actually to remember these things. I want to I want to stir up in you a remembrance of the the prophecies and predictions of the holy prophets and couple that with the commandments of our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. So basically the apostles were the ones who then transmitted the words of Jesus to the first generation believers 
And so Peter is saying, actually, we've got both. Now we've got both. He's already told us that in uh, chapter one of this of this letter that we have the prophetic word, verse 19, more fully confirmed. So as we look at Jesus, we see the fulfillment of all of these Old Testament prophecies, but it doesn't make them obsolete. It just actually, Peter then says, right, I want you to stir that stuff up inside you and stir up inside you the the um, commandments of Jesus, the prof- the word of prophecy more fully confirmed. I want you to kind of keep this whole thing alive and in view right now in your heart because of the times we're living in. And actually for Peter, as he goes on to say, these are the last days. And he says that right from the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, he talks about in these last days. And Peter continues on to be speaking as if we're in the last days. Now, we look back on Peter and think, my goodness, that was a long time ago. That was new, that was 2000 years ago. And here we are now in 2023 and Jesus hasn't come yet. And he said, actually, even now, we're in the last days. Back then, they were in the last days. We surely are in the last days. And he says, I want you to remember these predictions. Remember the commandment, uh, the commandment of the Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Verse 3, knowing that first of all, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And there's a lot of people around today who ridicule and mock the whole idea of being a Christian and the whole idea of the expectation of Jesus's return. They would just belittle that and scoff away. And But Peter's saying, actually, what they're doing, these guys, is they're following their own sinful desires or sinful lusts. So basically, for somebody who wants to pursue their own sinful lusts and sinful desires, the idea that Jesus is going to come back and wrap everything up and bring about a day of judgment for the whole world and the people, all the people who've ever lived and all this kind of thing, that's, that's not a welcome thought because actually it interrupts our opportunity to carry on sinning so for that individual who want or that group of people and there's plenty of them who want to continue living in a godless kind of way just living for themselves pleasing themselves doing what they want to do the idea of Jesus return is is just so uh, against everything that they want is and so it interrupts it requires if we're going to take that claim seriously that Jesus is going to come back then it requires that I change my ways and live in a way that's pleasing to God and get my life right with God because actually any time now Jesus could return right according to Christians so these scoffers want to mock at that claim and ridicule it and in so doing kind of dismiss it and make it irrelevant so they can carry on doing precisely what they want to do. OK. And can I dare I say it's very easy for Christians to fall into a kind of complacency where we start to think, oh, whatever, he's not going to come back. It doesn't matter if I do this or it doesn't matter if I do that. And we start to live kind of carelessly. But actually, Peter saying, no, I want you to live with that realisation that these prophetic predictions and the promises of Jesus, the commandments of Jesus are live and, and they're, they need to be in full view now 
rather than putting it off and procrastinating and thinking we can get away with all manner of whatever and it doesn't make any difference. Every decision we make has a bearing on our spiritual vitality and our relationship with God. And so we need to make good choices. That's what we say to our kids, isn't it? Make good choices. And we need to make good choices so that we stay full and stay close to him, which is the best. Anyway, so he says, knowing that these scoffers are going to come and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. And by the same word, but by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Now, this is sobering stuff. But what Peter's saying is actually pe- people are saying the earth is in like this kind of steady state condition. It hasn't changed since the day of creation. Our forefathers died and they buried, you know, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac and all of that crew. They're dead and buried and nothing's changed since then. Actually, they miss, they they conveniently overlooked the fact that the Lord destroyed the earth with a flood and the ungodly were carried away by the flood. They, they, but the, then the thing is that nowadays, in our day and age, the scoffers don't even, they're not bothered about the flood because they don't believe in that. But they also don't even believe that God created the world in the first place. And so they're, they're kind of like, oh, we don't believe God created the world. Science tells us that it just appeared out of a big bang and the big bang was caused by nothing. And it was, ah, uh, it just happened. It just happened. And so any opportunity to put God out of the equation is, sorry, out of the equation is quite convenient if we want to carry on living a godless life, living in sin. We can just do what we want to do because God isn't really there. He didn't really create the world. And so, of course, Jesus isn't coming back because he isn't God and he's just some guy. And so it's it's really easy to fall into that. And what we, what as Christians we're in danger of I think there's two pitfalls, which I'll say. I think one pitfall is to um, to buy into the the same lie and to drink the Kool-Aid, as it were, of the spirit of this age, the, the things that people are talking about and the things, the kind of attitude that prevails in a lot of the media, which is we're all here by accident. We're just a piece of cosmic fluff floating around in the universe and we die and so we might as well do what we want to do and morality is a relative thing it doesn't really matter as long as it doesn't hurt anybody and then we qualify that a thousand times over and so there's no there's no sense of um imminence of the lord's return or anything like that and so um but the other pitfall is to be so preoccupied and think right i've worked it all out the lord is coming back on the 15th of February and or sorry September or whatever day it is and therefore in this year and therefore we must do we must sell everything or or kind of and it's like this pandemonium breaks out in our minds because we think guys he's got it he's coming back and there you you get this kind of slight hysteria creeping into the 
the family of God because somebody's predicted a date and Jesus told us actually that's not a good idea <laughs> no one knows the date of the Lord's return but the point is that he will come back so there's two pitfalls really one is to kind of run around like a headless chicken thinking he's coming back like like because we've set a date and now we have to work to that date and the other is to just fall into this complacency that is in the world where people just scoff and mock at the whole idea of the Lord's return and, you know, kind of live like he's never coming back. Right. So um, Peter reminds us that there was this act of judgment. He's already picked up on that in chapter two. And he said, actually, it's really important that you keep that in mind, that God does judge and that there will come a day of judgment when the Lord judges us all, no one's going to escape that judgment. So then he says, verse, so he said, actually, the, the heavens and earth that now exist are reserved for fire. They're being stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Wow, that's quite a sobering thought, isn't it? And I know even there, people's imaginations run wild and they think, well, will that fire be a nuclear holocaust or not? I kind of doubt it in a way that we're going to get to be the ones who destroy the world. I got, I've got a feeling that the God who made it will say, now's the time. Now's the time I pull the plug on this thing and create a new heavens and a new earth. And so whatever that end looks like, Pete, I, I believe God will decide. I don't think it's going to be a man-made decision or anyone satanic or anything like that is going to be able to say, yeah, we did it. We blew the whole thing up. We wrecked it. We wrecked it all. We, we decided and we wrecked it. I don't think it's going to be like that. Personally, I think the Lord is going to decide and he'll be the one who folds the whole thing up. Um, and there are many different metaphors that get used. And it's one where the whole thing is rolled up like a garment, which is a really interesting one. Anyway, verse 8, he says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, this is a quote that's often quoted and it's quite helpful because it gives us the sense that God's timescales are not our timescales. And it's folly to think that the Lord is being a long time when actually for him a day, he lives in eternity. He lives outside of time. He sees all of time just as like one grain of sand, I suppose. But he so Peter says, don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And that is <coughs> one of those gems that Peter brings out. He, God doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. He doesn't want the end of this age to happen in a way that excludes anybody. And so it's like he's offering this gift of salvation and he it's the door is open. It's like the door of the ark is still open and there's people preaching righteousness, preaching the kingdom of God is what I'm trying to do to to bring people in and if you're sat there thinking god is jesus is not going to return actually listen this moment this day is a gift to you 
and people in recovery talk about that don't they they say this day each day is a gift that's why we call it the present it's a bit kind of corny but actually this day is God's gift to you to actually receive Jesus so that you can you can have this life that is eternal that begins now this relationship with God that begins now and just goes on and on and on and on and on and whether we die or the world folds up we're secure and so there's a there's a peace in our hearts it's a settled issue because Jesus died on the cross he made the way he's opened up the way into the presence of God for each one of us and so today is God's gift to us to say yes and so if you've never done that you never said yes to Jesus today's the day this is the one day we know of we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow Jesus might come back tomorrow he might come back this afternoon but let's we equally we might have some misfortune come to us where we don't make it to the end of the day and so it's really wise to have our hearts settled and that issue settled with God that we've received his gift of salvation his gift of eternal life that whole thing which I'm I have I'm gonna just pause there just hold that thought and if you want to talk to me message me I'd love to hear from you and just help you make that decision well go through it with you so but you can do it by yourself you don't need me that's the whole point it's just you and Jesus making that transaction so the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises some count slowness but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So there we are. He's kind of, kind of developing that idea. There is going to be this day where it all folds up, where everything that we are used to is gone, where it all closes down and... Um, the heavenly bodies, even the heavenly bodies that we we think of as the stars and the planets and these things will be dissolved. That's a, just a very, very hard one for us to comprehend, isn't it? That the cosmos might somehow have a life expectancy. When we look at the stars and scientists tell us that they're literally squillions of years old and they're endless distances away, the idea that somehow that might be... Uh, they might have a life expectancy that one day God's going to say, that's it, it's over, or the planets, or whatever. I don't, I mean, we can only speculate what Peter means by this and really what what will what it will look like. But he's saying there's going to be a time, there's going to come a time when everything, all the deeds that have been done on this earth are going to be exposed. All the works done on the earth will be exposed. So all the secrets of our hearts will be laid bare all the things we've done in secret the good things and the bad things they're going to be exposed before that great judgment day before the judge of all the earth which who is God who is Jesus who will look at he knows our hearts anyway so it's not like they're a secret from him but suddenly they'll be exposed anyway so that's kind of a sobering thought isn't it but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Jesus said the same thing. He said, if you knew the time the thief was going to come, you'd be ready. You'd be there with your your powerful flashlight and your 
baseball bat and you'd give them what for, wouldn't you? And they wouldn't steal anything and you'd make sure you defended your property. But the point is the day of the Lord will come on a day we don't expect and it won't be like we'll all be, we'll all have said, yay, I knew, I knew it was that day. <laughs> I guessed it right. Um, but it, so the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It's going to come by surprise. It's going to come on us by surprise. And maybe, maybe God's people will be kind of ready and that will be good. And maybe the, the surprise will be just for people who are not knowing God. But I think we just need to be careful about trying to pin it down too exactly. Right, verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to the promise we are, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So he's saying, actually, guys, because all this, this is going to happen, because the end is going to come, what kind of people should we be? What kind of people should Christians be living in, in living lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming. Now that's an interesting thought that I've kind of conjured with and pondered on in my mind over the years, is to what extent can my behaviour and my choices and my diligence and my love of Jesus somehow speed up the process of his return how can can we actually accelerate the day of his return now, I know there are people who have purposely started missions organizations and gone into the world and preached to, to people who've not heard the gospel before and gone into far-flung reaches of the universe or the earth at any rate to preach the gospel because their expectation is that when the gospel has been preached to every nation, then the king, then, you know, the Lord can come back. And so maybe that is part of it and that we can somehow hasten the day, as Peter says, or speed up the process. What we really, 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 really want to see is the a massive turning to Jesus across the face of the earth where literally millions and billions of people turn to him so that when he does come back there's a maximum people who love him to receive him and to be gathered up to be with him and I think something just to say about the slowness of the Lord's return there are so many people alive on the face of the earth now. I think back along some, you know, a few years back, somebody said there are more people alive on the earth today than have ever lived in the history of the human race. And I don't know how you do that, some, because obviously it depends when you measure it from. So I'm not a mathematician, but that sounds a little bit complicated to me. But there are a lot of people alive on the earth today aren't there and a lot more than in the time of Jesus for example or in the time of Peter when he's writing the the earth is many 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 the population of the earth is many 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 times more than it was back then and so now there's this huge harvest to use the jargon to use the lingo there's a huge harvest of people to be gathered in to be saved and brought into a knowledge of Jesus which is this massive opportunity, isn't it? 
And it's so what kind of people should we be? Ought we to be living in holiness and godliness? That's like we've set ourselves apart for him. We've made choices to prioritize him and to live for him first and godliness where our hearts are set on him. So we're not just rigidly sticking to a bunch of rules that we think are appropriate, but where our hearts are just for him. We're godly in that we pursue him. We pursue his presence. We want to know him. And so he and Peter's saying that's the kind of people we, we I want you to be. And in writing this stuff, I'm trying to stir you up to get you to the to this place. And so for you and me, 2023, we also ought surely to be people like this, living our lives in holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. So we're not hesitant to share our faith with people, but we're easy about it. And we're we're really happy to talk about Jesus and every opportunity we get. It's not like we become this crushing bore who never stops on the same subject, but that we look for those wonderful opportunities where God is already working and we can just pop a seed in we can drop a thought into someone's heart we can share a bit of our testimony tell us tell the story of what God's been doing with us tell about some miracles we've seen recently I don't know but anyway we need to be hastening that coming of the day of God and then he talks in verse 13 about this new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. And of course, as we read the book of Revelation, we see that that's the end of the story is that God establishes a new heaven and a new earth. And that's where his beloved people dwell forever and ever and ever. That's where we live forever and ever. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. That this is this is where he wants us to be. Without spot or blemish and at peace. Verse 15. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our bro- beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them, of these matters there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction yet as they do the other scriptures you therefore beloved knowing this beforehand take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So he's saying, guys, let's live without spot or blemish. Let's live in peace with God, with each other. And let's actually see this patience of God that we've just described as an opportunity. See it as salvation. It's the opportunity of our salvation is how come we're saved, but also Let's see it as an opportunity for the salvation of many, many people who still don't know him. Every time we've got another day, it's another day of opportunity for people to find Jesus. And and he says, then he talks about Paul and he says, do you know what? People, Paul, our dear brother, 
I love it that Peter loves Paul. He says, our dear brother Paul writes these things also. He's also on the same track. Peter's like aligning him with the teachings of the Apostle Paul. But listen to what he says. He says some of the things he talks about are quite tricky. He talks in the wisdom that God's given him, but some of them are quite tricky to understand. And people sometimes want to twist his words. They're mischievous people who want to twist his words and make him say something he's not. Put mouths, words in his mouth that he hasn't said. And he's saying this is the, the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction. They're saying, do you know what? Peter's saying, do you know what? If you twist the words of the Apostle Paul, it will be your downfall. <laughs> and I think, gosh, there's a little rebuke for us. If we twist the words of the Apostle Paul or Peter or any of the scriptures, it'll be to our downfall. It's not It's not a good thing to do. It's, it's mischievous and unhelpful and it will cause our own destruction. But he says they do it to the other scriptures. And it's wonderful to see Peter endorsing the writings of the Apostle Paul as scriptures. He doesn't have any hesitant hesitance to um, refer to Paul's writings as scriptures. So even in Paul's own lifetime, people were considering his writings as being authoritative scripture. And they they then become part of our canon, don't they? What we call the canon of scripture, the the collected, authoritative, authentic words of God. And so he so Peter endorses that really very early on. And he says, you guys take care that you're not carried away by the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Just think about that. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So I pray that every single one who will ever listen to this saunter will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Oh God, come on. Yes, Lord, let us grow in that wonderful gift and in the knowledge of you. Let us not just know loads of stuff about you, but let us truly, truly know you and truly walk with you for the rest of our lives. Amen. Have an amazing day. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.